0: All right, welcome into a News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr, alongside Justin Barney. Justin, uh, you know, it's been an interesting ride to get to this point of the season for the Jaguars, but we're talking playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs, (laughs) playoffs, what? You gotta get the little Jim Moore in there. (laughs) Playoffs, what? It it doesn't seem
1: right. So our (laughs) general manager we talked to yesterday, Mm -hmm. and she was actually on staff. At the place when Jim Mora, that's right, that uh, was, that was had her that guy. Up, up in Indy. So yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. So a little throwback to the playoffs uh, line that has been so crystallized in sports journalism, burned mm-hmm. in the media. But we're talking playoffs. We are talking playoffs in Jacksonville. Did not see that coming this year. And kind of to talk about today, there's so many storylines. But for you, we're going to go back and forth on this. Good. Where did kind of this pivot point? Come for the Jaguars this season. Where, what, what game, what play was it in your mind that the Jaguars kind of flipped that switch? And
0: you know, just happened. I think there's been a number of them over the course of the season. There's a, there's a, like three main ones where you kind of say, "Hmm, uh, it things really kind of flipped on their head." For me. I kind of go for a dark horse on this one. I like what they did in Kansas City. Okay. Um, just, just before the bye weeks, the last loss before the bye week in Kansas City. They go up there. The Chiefs kind of whoop up on them really good. But the Jaguars dominated the turnover battle, mm-hmm. uh, got the onside kick to start the game. They really could have had a lot more points been in that game, maybe even won that game if they played just a little bit cleaner. Uh, but there was a point in that game where, Doug Peterson called this like sprint out on the goal line and Trevor Lawrence threw the ball away and I was like, okay, he's finally figured it out because we saw him early in the Mm -hmm. season throw an interception against the Texans on that same play. Doug Peterson called it again against the Broncos in London, threw an interception on that same play and in Kansas City, Trevor rolls out, it ain't there and it's in the stands and I was like, all right we're getting somewhere. That was progress. At the Mm -hmm. time, I was like, man, that's progress. You know, just seeing him manage the ball in the red zone to understand you got to live to play another down. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was after that game that the team said Doug Peterson had him in the locker room. They just lost. They were kind of solemn. And he told them that it was all going to come down to week 18. The crystal ball. The The crystal crystal ball ball. (laughs) quote. Yeah. And I, I really think it was that game that kind of jump-started the team. They saw that they really weren't that far Mm -hmm. from being able to beat a team like kansas city in kansas city that was only and a 10-point loss it was only a 10-point loss worst play, loss of the season they that, played pretty point. pretty badly mm-hmm. at times i mean and they really play, had the numbers and had done things that could have won them that game right. so i think that was the moment for me that i think was the biggest turning point of the season
1: okay i have a little one that almost dovetails with that you mentioned the the, the throw away from trevor you know doug has said time yeah. and again that should be the easiest play in the playbook you roll out Stop there. there. Throw it away. That that decision is made in in two seconds. Yeah, that is not something that Trevor Lawrence did early in the season sure. very well. He tried to uh, dissect things and let that play develop a little bit longer than he should have. We saw that in games against the Texans. We mm-hmm. saw it against the Broncos. To me, the pivot point in this season was the Broncos game over in London. You were there, yeah. and that was a game that. Trevor Lawrence did not make that play. He did not do that for the second time this season. He tried to force that pass into the end zone when he should have just launched it into the stands. This time it was Justin Simmons picked it off in the end zone. The Broncos got nothing out of that drive but it took points away from Jacksonville at least three points away from Jacksonville. Trevor said after that he said during this this stretch run. That was the worst he's felt this season. He mm-hmm. felt like the team lost because of him. It was a 21-17 game, a game that Jacksonville could have had points, a drive that he could have had points. And that, that would have made the, a big difference. That was, that was yeah. the second time in that early part of the season that Trevor has killed the drive inside that five-yard line True. with an end zone interception. So my my pivot point was that game. To me, they were a different team after that. Sure. They came back. I believe they played the Raven, or the, the Raiders after that. Right. And then, obviously, the Chiefs game as well but again it kind of dovetails with what you were saying about the Chiefs game because Trevor the light came on I think my pivot point was that London game where Trevor knew he let the team down right he knew it was a stupid play in the end zone again his second one this season the Texans game they lost 13 to 6 he had one of those terrible throws in the end zone but to me that Broncos game was the ride home where Trevor is saying I cost the team. I've got to get better. I've got to make better decisions. And we saw that kind of dovetailing with that Kansas City game where he applied that and he made mm-hmm. that. And after that bye week, it's just been a different thing. I remember talk I remember players talking, um, Trevor especially, we have a, a season in front of us where we control our fate. You know, mm-hmm. this season is not over. And, you know, for us who cover the team and the fans as well, in our minds we're talking draft already we're talking is this team you know it gonna pick in the draft against me for my pivot point it's that broncos game
0: sure Uh, and if we're talking about turning points of the season we have to at least mention the other two that were very pivotal of of a point i mean trevor's talked about that broncos game as being a turning point for him if we're talking about the Jaguars season uh we have to mention the lions game Mm -hmm. um that was the game where you know they went up to detroit Worst loss of the year. Everything else had really been like one score. I mean, outside of maybe the Kansas City loss, but they went up there. They were never in that game. Uh, Ultimately, that ended up being the last game that they lost before going on a winning streak. And the guys kind of felt that hurt and said, we won't feel like this anymore and have have played a lot better since. So we can't not at least mention that one, even though that wasn't either one of our big ones. That to Uh, me was
1: a game where you went into it and you thought that Jacksonville could take that next step correct and they got absolutely gutted right absolutely gutted in that game right and we've seen what jaguars seems to the past a loss like that later rails everything it's, it's over right you lost a locker room under urban meyer after some of these losses in the mm-hmm. past doug marone you never got back right after a big loss that did not happen no no it did not happen and i guess it you know we mentioned this before doug has, has mentioned it that O for October, which that Broncos game was the last in October. Mm-hmm. Captain O and five October for them, and he has talked. He's thrown the word calloused around, and that's kind of become a buzzword. You lose those games in that fashion after being so close, it makes you callous. It makes you hardened to be able to absorb some of these things that you've seen in the seasons, the not too highs, the not too lows. And they've preached that. They've kind of come the embodiment of staying even keel, taking after their coach.
0: Now the other game that I think we should mention, I think there there are four that are very key for sure. We've mentioned three. The other one has to be the Titans game in Nashville. Right. The Jaguars hadn't gone into Nashville and won a game in forever. They go up there, they're able to win and that was the moment that the team really, like they they still had a chance of controlling their own destiny but that was the moment where they physically took right. control of their own destiny. They took down the Titans who were in first place at the time. From there on it was winning you're in yeah and you're you're in control let's ride this thing and they've been hot uh ever since that game and i think those are the four like real turning points of the year that um that have really told the story of where yeah. the Jaguars and, you brought. know
1: we, we don't even mention the chargers game in week three which ended in a uh, hellacious run on the west coast Correct. in west coast games and that game feels like two years ago at this point and they're playing the chargers by th- this week by right, the way right 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 they, you know we didn't take take touch two, on that game 38 30-10. to
0: 10. that was a big win I don't know if it was a turning point of the season though because that was part of that 2-1 and start and then like the wheels just came right. off in October um, September was fine and then October rolled around right after that and it was like oh man do we remember this <laughs> win at all it was so far long so ago. long ago um, so, one of the things, and I, we didn't really talk about this beforehand. I know we talked about that. We wanted to talk about the pivot points. But let's talk about some of the players that have really had a big impact on okay. the Jaguars' year. So, uh, let's do an offensive and defensive MVP. Uh, let's start with the offense. Um, when I think about it, and we're going to do an offensive MVP outside of Trevor Lawrence. Non-Trevor offensive it, it, If we did Trevor Lawrence, it, he, would, it, he would be the guy. Yeah, and, and there's not much of a discussion there. So, we'll say outside of Trevor, uh, the other 10 guys on the field, okay. Uh, who would your offensive MVP for the Jaguars be this season?
1: Oh, man. I like Brandon Sheriff. I like Evan Ingram. But to me, if I'm naming an offensive MVP outside of Trevor, it's mm-hmm. Christian Kirk for me. Sure. Um, and the reason for that is the stability he brought to a position that was completely unstable last year. And You know, Trevor was unstable last year, obviously, as well. but. Yeah. The receivers, when you're quarterback, as a rookie quarterback, you're expecting your receivers to to help you out as a rookie in the NFL. His receivers last year did not help him out. And at the time he signed, Trent Baalke gave him this massive contract. And people were saying, my God, the Jaguars are having to overpay this much for this guy. And then we saw how the receiver market developed after Christian Kirk. And he's been worth every penny this year to me. We Mm. didn't, we talked on a News Jack's podcast before about he's not that alpha, he's not that 6'3", 6'4 guy on the outside who's going to win these jump balls in the end zone. But what he was, security blanket, Great route runner, and he has been a steadying presence for Trevor Lawrence. And, and with regards to Marvin Jones, he's been a great outlet. Uh, he's having a better season this year. To me, Marvin, stability-wise, consistency-wise, he's been that guy the, the Trevor's talked about, how important a veteran of Marvin Jones is. Sure. But to me, offensive MVP outside of Trevor Lawrence, honorable mention, Brandon Sheriff, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk to me.
0: I think Christian Kirk has a, has a solid case. He's been the Jaguars' best receiver outright. Uh, I know a lot of people got on the contract this off season. He looks like he was worth every penny right. because there were games where it was like, just keep throwing the ball to Kirk because um, he's the only one catching. Mm-hmm. He's been the Jaguars best receiver. Uh, he he is exactly what this offense needed. He's a very quarterback friendly player who knows how to run routes and get open. Uh, I'm not gonna give him my MVP though. Uh, I go with Evan Ingram. I think I said before the season that if Evan Ingram was knocking on the door of 1000 yards, that this offense was gonna be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't quite get there. He finished at just over seven hundred, uh, which is still you know good the enough best to be season
1: by a Jaguars side end in and Jaguars franchise. Right, History, so by the way. so
0: huge. Uh, but when he took fire it was like that Titans game in, in Nashville, mm-hmm. and down the stretch, and that's when the offense really started cooking. Evan Ingram has always, in my mind, been next factor for this offense, and just his presence on the field changes how teams can defend you and gives you a little bit of a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence and them have been able to utilize that. I got to give him my MVP because when they're cook, when he's cooking, they're cooking as a group. Um, the only guy that you didn't mention that I, that I gave consideration to was Travis Etienne, mm-hmm. uh, just because he's so dynamic and the 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 big play threat that he brings to the right. offense
1: he scares me a little bit it, the fumbles, are the, a the fumbles little bit are the problem the
0: and and that that the fumbles and the fact that he hasn't been he wasn't consistent mm-hmm. enough like he'd have a big performance enough to get a thousand yards right. without starting every game this season but then there's some games where like against the Titans where he just disappears Bandages, right so uh, that that's why he's the only other guy that I really thought would get consideration on the offense okay how about your defensive guy who's your defensive guy I, I... Did not understand
1: this at the time, especially with what followed in the draft by taking Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. Sure. Foyer Iluikin, hands down my guy, and I know we, we've talked about wearing that yellow, that green dot guy in the defense, which is being able to call the plays, hear mm-hmm. the plays from your your guide. Foyer led the team, led the league in tackles last year. Yeah. Led the league in tackles. They got him in free agency, mm-hmm. and he I know again. We, I know we've talked about this several times before in the podcast but you get foyer the thumper leading in the nfl you draft Devin lloyd and you draft chad muma so at the time that to me was and even I, I know you said it it was almost like you were you were in a position with these linebackers a glut of linebackers a trayvon walker as well outside backer and are you you already thinking foyer is maybe mm-hmm. not going to be around for long it just to me it was a it was an awkward kind of fit after you know the draft after you signed foyer right but he has been phenomenal leading tackler setting presence on that defensive side of the ball hands down my defensive guy and and Rayshon would be an honorable mention too Rayshon Jenkins coming back broken ankle last year awesome guy in the secondary Andre Cisco too I mean he had some great performances here but foyer right defensive guy for me
0: yeah i think foyer has been huge for this defense i mean they tried to put miles jack with that green dot just didn't really Mm -hmm. work um they did Devin or damian wilson last year foyer a huge upgrade we weren't really sure what was going on you Mm -hmm. mentioned it uh i think he's extremely underrated around the nfl i think he's been huge for this defense the only guy that i'd give my mvp to over him is rayson jenkins and this is for Two plays, basically, because he's had the two biggest defensive splash plays for the Jaguars this season. And the pick six, that's a walk-off against the Cowboys, and that strip sack against Josh Dobbs that sets up Josh Allen to recover the fumble and take it back for the touchdown. Rayshawn Jenkins is like the unsung hero of this Jaguars defense right now. And it it Um, was telling
1: to me that Josh Allen returned that fumble 37 yards for a touchdown. Yep. And what's he do after that? Who's he hand the ball to? Rayshawn Jenkins. That's right. Rayshawn Jenkins. Respect from Josh Allen he knows who set that
0: play up. Right, and I mean, Rayshon has been huge for this mm-hmm. team. I mean, he's been getting tackles left and right, which aren't exactly a gaudy stat, but he's forced some fumbles. He's been big. I know Uh, You want to talk about a turnaround. He broke his ankle last year. Fans were like, he wasn't really good. Uh, Why did we bring this guy here? And now he's, you know, the the savior of the season who's made basically the two biggest defensive plays of the year to date. I mean, Rayshon has been huge. I think he's my MVP just for those two plays alone. If he did nothing else, (laughs) those two plays would make him my MVP because without those two plays, I mean, the Cowboys play is huge because if you don't win that game, you're not at this moment, right? And then that tech, against the Titans, if you don't make that play, you—they're not in this moment either. Right. You so risk
1: giving the ball back to the offense, which had completely had struggled done in that game. They so, had done nothing. Rayshon, two of the biggest plays in Jaguars history—he's been a part of them both this year. Yeah.
0: So uh, big time plays there. Uh, you know, the one other thing that we we're going to touch on before we wrap this thing up, uh, let, Trent Bulky, um, and we've talked about this a little bit off 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 camera. Um, he got a bad rap last year. It's been like one year to date, just about, of the clown incident at the stadium. This team's come a long way since then. Right, uh, last but last week
1: 18 last year.
0: But we got to go through some of it. I mean, I, you know, I think he got a little bit of a bad rap. I really do. I think he got a little bit of a bad rap. Um, and don't get me wrong, we were critical of him as right. well. Uh, but, you know, I think it all started with, the fact that he was a promotion instead of a hire from the outside. I, I, I think that's what it comes yeah. down to, is that fans yes. wanted fresh faces. Right. So you fire Dave Caldwell, Trent's your interim general manager, and next thing you know, you're like, yeah, he's going to be the general manager. So I think it started there. I really think that like if Trent would have been hired from scratch after Caldwell was fired, that that gives you a little bit more patience. Fans man.
1: wanted a clean sweep, can't yeah. blame them. More of the same is what they thought. Right. You know, you're, you're replacing Dave Caldwell with a guy who's on staff with dave caldwell right and
0: and he had only been there one year with right. dave like he was he was a hire just before that last season with caldwell did, so it did, wasn't it, like he was there for the entire team. right didn't exactly have the best reputation <clears throat> from nfl
1: circles um so again the fans in the know of the nfl probably a little bit why is shotgun keeping that why is he promoting this guy so at, of course i think i think it's natural though for fans in this franchise in this city to want to, to take all the trash out. And yeah. I think that was, I think Trent got caught up in that. And let's face it, his drafts haven't, you know, the Dave Caldwell drafts haven't been good. Um, yeah, I, You can't give him credit for drafting Trevor Lawrence. No, he doesn't get <laughs> credit for that. But I think,
0: I think he got a little bit of a bad rap for his reputation. But, uh, largely because in the last four years that he had been a general manager, the coaches had been fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Harbaugh got fired at the end, which supposedly him and Trent didn't get along well. Which is fine. Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem like the easiest guy to get along with for anybody. Um, Jim Tom Sula gets fired after one season. Tom Sula shouldn't have been a head coach. Exactly. Uh, the question is whether or not Trent made the decision on that, or the owner made the decision. Uh, but he needed to be fired. Chip Kelly got fired his last year. Trent got sent out the door with him. Mm-hmm. So obviously Chip Kelly wasn't belong to, didn't belong in the NFL. Uh, again, did Trent make that decision or did the owner make that decision because that San Francisco owner guilty by it, association? It, it, he's guilty by attached, association, but the, to, but the San Francisco owner is a very Hands-on as opposed to Shad's hands-off right and he you know So the question is how did Trent want those guys if he made those hires? He is 100% guilty, but I'm not sure that he did right um, and then he comes here and then urban gets canned Again, another one that I don't think Trent was very involved in that <laughs> right. search. Um, and that that whole thing goes down the way it does. So I understand where fans were coming from. So he gets a bad rap for that because that was four straight years, four straight coaches. Not great uh, for any general manager's track record. When you look at the resume and they're like, who'd you work with? And you rattle off four and four years, people are like, whoa. Right. Um, but... Now that he's here and he's with Doug, and we're like, man, Doug's looking great. This team's looking good. You can kind of look at his body of work since he took over the Jaguars. And when you look at that draft class, no, we're not giving him credit for Trevor Lawrence, but you give him credit for Walker Little, who's playing now, playing well. Looks like he's going to be a starter next year. You Got to give him credit for uh, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell, who looks like he's a rising star in the league looks good you gotta give him credit for Andre Sisco yes who looks good you gotta give him credit for Travis Etienne who we were like you take a running back in the first round but he looks good so you say of those first five picks in the draft and again we're not gonna give him too much credit for Trevor Lawrence but of those first five picks in the draft of them you are like four of these players could be like blue chip, yeah, five star, players, right? whatever you wanna call them, cornerstone kind of players that are gonna be up for big contracts at some point. That's a really good draft. That is a very good that draft. That is a very good draft. And then you look at like this pass draft and Trayvon Walker, while a lot of people would have gone the safe route with Aiden Hutchinson, he takes this home run swing on Trayvon. At, as of day one, we can see that Trayvon can be an mm-hmm. impact player against the run game. Will he ever develop as a pass rusher? I don't know
1: Jerrys still out but he's Jury's been a out, servant but from a number one player number one overall there, there wasn't eh.
0: a star like aiden hutchinson's not a star no. i don't care what the stats say aiden hutchinson is not a star and he will not be in a, a like prominent all pro type of player in his career not of what i've seen so far um but trayvon has the potential to be that will he we'll see and then we'll give credit for it if he mm-hmm. is but Devin Lloyd that one's shaky but I'll give him more credit for Chad Muma mm-hmm. bringing in Muma, who's able to start that one looks good Luke Fortner pick home run he's home been run. starting since day one Brandon Sheriff said if somebody if he just walked in the door and somebody goes oh yeah that center's a rookie he'd call him a liar yeah, Trevor because loves he, the, Trevor
1: loves Luke Fortner and that's what
0: matters so and Trevor loves him too <laughs> right. but I mean so so these draft classes have been really good and then you take in this last free agent class and you start rattling off the names. Foyer Oluwakin brought yes. in as a free agent. Brandon Sheriff brought in as a free agent. Both of them have started every game, played really well. Right. Christian Kirk brought in as a free agent. A lot of money on the line, but he's played really yes. well. Zay Jones and under the radar signing as a free agent. Right. And he's been extremely impactful for the Jaguars. So huge there. Um, Arden Key. Arden Key has been an impact pass rusher on a one year deal. Evan Ingram, one year deal. Right. He looks great. He's due some cash this off um where he didn't miss mm-hmm. he didn't miss I mean when you look at the free agent class from top to bottom you're like well Foley Fatukasi hasn't been huge he had some injuries but like that's the closest thing to a miss that he yep. got in that free and agent I, class I thought
1: early on the miss was Darius Williams nope moved him outside and he is he has been it's he, been a renaissance for that Jaguars defense moving him outside after the Shaq Griffin injury
0: we asked him about it yesterday and he goes that's my position that that's my position I love being outside and on an island Th- that tells you everything right. you need to know. I mean, dude was an outside corner. That's why he played in LA. They tried to kind of pigeonhole him into a spot and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And now he's in his position, he's playing great. He didn't miss this last offseason, so I mean it'd be fun if like fans brought all those clown noses back and just <laughs> threw them on the field um just as like an apology, like, sorry, Trent. Um, because Trent's done a good job. Right. He he's has. done a good he job. Has.
1: Credit where credit is due with Trent Baalke. And,
0: and we have to, and we've mentioned a whole lot of moves, but his best one is the Calvin Ridley trade. That trade is like a home run because even if Ridley comes here and he's been out of football for two years and looks terrible, the Jaguars still win. It's like you can't, it's, it's a not miss move. You spent nothing, barely anything mm-hmm. on it. It 100% that is the best move right. that Trent Baalke's made. And we've
1: looked at their res- free agent receivers next Trash. year. The best receivers get tagged, never hit the market. And you get one, mate that was one of the best at his position in right. his prime, and you get him, although he's gonna be in a contract year, yes, you get him before that market kind of resets. If Calvin is reinstated and hits that market or he's traded next year, he's gonna fetch a lot more than what the Jaguars got but, him for. It.
0: But here's the, and here's the thing, so. If he walks after, walks out, if he comes in, has a huge year, and the Jaguars are like, ah, we don't want this dude, and he walks away, they get a compensatory pick, right. and if he signs a big contract, it's like a, like a third round pick, and they traded what, a fourth round pick for yep. him? Win-win. Yep. Win-win, win-win, uh, and then if they don't, if he comes in and doesn't do much, you traded what, like a fourth or fifth round pick for him? That's nothing, That's pennies on the dollar to take a swing. Right. Or you sign the dude to a big contract, and then you give them a—I uh, think you give them a third or fourth round pick. I'd have to look up. Pick. It was but a, regardless, it's like pennies on the
1: dollar for yes, what you
0: get in return.
1: A good investment, I—I th- I think. And that receiving core next year looks darn good. Yeah, and then that—that that
0: actually brings pop something into my head. So there's all the Di- DeAndre Hopkins stuff that's oh. floating out there. In the we're going to mention it. We got we to mention it. Why? So why? would you come be, on? Come on. Come on. on. That's, uh, well, just just a smidge to the future. All the DeAndre Hopkins stuff is floating out there. Uh, he's, they're saying that the Cardinals want to trade him, but he has no trade clause. One of the guys on the radio in Arizona are reporting that his two preferred teams are the Chargers and the Jaguars. Hmm. Um, getting him into the salary cap would be a challenge because he does have a huge contract. Uh, adding him to the wide receiver core would be exciting because then you'd have like Kirk, DeHop, uh, Ridley, and Zay. Uh, that'd be a lot of money spent there, but it, it, it would be very exciting to be able to have him. The reason I brought it up isn't because I want to talk about if they traded for him and what that would mean. The fact that if that report from that radio guy is true, he's got him at Jags and Chargers in his final two. What? That's never happened before in Jaguars history. Like you want to talk about a turnaround? Like t- people, Jalen Ramsey was a couple, just a couple years ago saying, "Get me out of here," yes. and now you got one of the the prima donna stars of the Jaguar or the, in the league demanding to come to, to the jaguars. i would like to be a like part you of want to talk about a flip the script that's what trevor right. lawrence and doug peterson have done that's the only reason i want to bring right? it that's, that's, that, that to me that, even if they don't do the deal even if he goes to la whatever the fact that the jaguars were in the two should tell you everything you need to know you
1: know the knock on jacksonville and free agency these last few years has You've got to overpay for free agents because they don't want to come here. They, right. they they're sacrificing. And now you got to do the same wants to. You're sacrificing wins and playoff success mm-hmm. to come to a bottom feeder team. Well, that narrative is slowly, changing, slowly, huh? changing. And slowly hey, changing.
0: And hey, he's already got his boy here. Christian Kirk was with him in Arizona, so maybe Kirk's over there like, man, you want not play in this Doug Peterson <laughs> Whatever. Right. We'll talk about that in the offseason a little bit more, but I just thought that was a, a really big nugget <laughs> that you need to kind of like hang your head on. That if this guy really does narrow his list of two people and the Jacksonville Jaguars are one of the two. That's huge.
1: We've gone from Urban Meyer mm-hmm. to clown noses to pay overpaying for free agents to marquee free agents or big name mm-hmm. guys wanting to come here. AFC South champions. My, how things have changed. Big turnaround
0: in just a year. Big turnaround in just a year. Alright, uh, the Jaguars will play on Saturday, a night game at the bank. I want to mention that Channel 4 is going to have some special coverage going on on Saturday. We'll be live on Channel 4 from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. We'll take a quick break because we got 30 minutes of uh, news at 6 o'clock on Channel 4. So that'll go from 6 to 6.30. But then from 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to be live on News4Jax Plus app and news 4 uh, giving you plenty of game coverage we're going to be live from one of the biggest tailgates over by the bold city brigade at the slab is uh, we'll have towels it's going to be a whole lot of fun and we'll get you ready for the game so we'll talk all about the jaguars and chargers and that matchup so you want to make sure you tune in for all of that coverage uh, thanks for checking out the news projects podcast and we'll see you next time